Hey, what's up? It's your bro, Mario Escobedo. Welcome to season number two, episode five of the Christian Bro Code podcast. I publish an episode the first Monday of every month. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast and also check out the Christian Bro Code YouTube channel. This podcast is all about learning how to grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. If that sounds helpful to you, then definitely consider subscribing. I'm I'm starting with a disclaimer, and and I'm not I'm not doing this like, uh, I mean I'm I'm not trying to be funny I'm not trying to be uh, anything like that I mean this this is this is genuine, you might not like this episode. There's a very good chance that that you're not going to like this episode. I'm I'm just telling you straight out from the very beginning. There's a chance that you're not going to like this episode, because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna compare us not not just you but I'm gonna compare us. I'm I'm throwing myself in there as well. I'm going to compare us to Judas. Yeah, the disciple who betrayed Jesus. I'm I'm suggesting to you in this episode that you and I have a lot more in common with Judas than we would like to think or admit. And and you know the the typical thing that we do when we talk about Judas and how we can be like Judas is that we say, well, we're all going to betray Jesus at one point or another. Yeah, and that's true, and and that's going to be part of what I'm going to share with you in this episode. But really, what it has to do with is, I'll tell you in a little bit. We'll get to that. But I'm going to jump into this, and I'm I'm basing this episode on Matthew chapter 26. Beginning in verse 14, we'll jump over to chapter 27 as well. This all has to do with when Judas betrayed Jesus. And let me let me start reading, okay? Matthew chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. You know this passage. You know what happened, but I'm going to read it anyway. This is how it reads. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me? if I deliver him over to you, talking, of course, about Jesus. So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. Verse 16, from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, let me me point out some things here. What I find very interesting is that what it says in verse 14 is that Judas, he went to the chief priests. They did not come to him. They didn't send for him. They didn't send their slaves or their assistants or whatever and said, hey, you know, go find one of the disciples of Jesus and and, and tell him that we've got a deal for him. Tell, tell him that we want to talk to him. No, it says very clearly in Matthew, Judas, he went to the chief priests and he's the one who asked what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Of course, he's talking about money. And they said, well, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. Now, there, there's there's something that we need to know about Judas. Judas was the treasurer of the group. You've got Jesus and his 12 disciples, so 13 in all. And Judas was the group's treasurer. Let me, let me show you where we get that from. In John chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, there's the episode of when Mary, the sister of Lazarus, poured perfume all over Jesus's feet. And then look at what happened in verse four. This is Judas's reaction to that occurrence. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Now, verse six says this. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, that is the treasurer of the group, 
he used to help himself to what was put into it. So Judas was a thief. And Judas apparently had this this custom, because this is what John says, he used to help himself. It wasn't a one-time occurrence. It was something that would happen frequently. He used to help himself to the money that was in the bag that was the, you know, whatever money they had for the group. He, he, he was a thief. Judas, he had a problem. His problem was that he loved money. That, that was his problem. Again, notice, let me go back to the point that I made initially, that Judas went to the chief priests. He went to them. And as far as we can tell from the Gospel of Matthew, the only reason, the only motivation that Judas had for going to the chief priests was money. He didn't say, hey, look, when, uh, when you arrest Jesus— what if what if you exonerate me? I mean, I, yeah, I'm with him now, but I, I I made a mistake. If I hand him over to you and you arrest him, will you kind of let me go free? Like, don't prosecute me, don't charge me with anything, and and if you do that, then I'll hand him over to you. That's not what Judas said, and, and Judas didn't say anything like this either. Hey, you know what? I've been with Jesus for three and a half years, or however long it may have been at that point, and uh, I've learned a lot, and I I think I'm ready to be one of you guys. Let's make a deal. Let's say that if I turn him over to you, you'll give me a, a place, a position with you guys. Does that sound like a deal? Judas didn't do that. It was it was specifically and exclusively because of money. He wanted money. He went up to them and he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? And they understood that he was talking about money. And you pair that with the passage in John that we just read, that he would continuously help himself to the money that was in the bag. And I think it's very clear, at least for me, that Judas was a lover of money, that he put money before all over things, before all other things, uh, including Jesus. Now, I have to believe, and this is this will become important important a little bit later as we continue discussing this i happen to believe that judas had this problem since before he became a disciple of jesus i don't think that judas was an honest upright guy and then when he becomes a disciple of jesus then he becomes a thief i i don't I mean, that sounds a little backwards i don't think it would have happened that way i think judas even since before he was a disciple of jesus it makes sense to me that he was a lover of money that he was a thief even since before becoming a disciple of Jesus. So let, let's recap what we're doing so far. We've noticed that Judas was the one who went to the chief priests, motivated by money. He agreed to hand Jesus over to the chief priests. He was a thief. He had that character flaw. Listen, I'm not judging Judas. He he was a thief. I've, I've done far worse than that. I'm sure you have as well. I'm just laying out the facts of the case right now. He had this problem of thievery before he became a disciple of Jesus. And here's here's what, what I think. Jesus, Jesus he, he chose him as the disciple. And, you know, he was Judas was with Jesus for three and a half years. He learned a lot from Jesus. He saw Jesus perform miracles. He saw Jesus literally raise the dead, heal the sick, calm the storms. I'm sure Judas had love for Jesus. I, I'm sure Judas had an incredible admiration, love, respect, and, and just everything for Jesus. However, his love for money superseded that love for Jesus. Now, I concede, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke does say that the devil entered Judas, but I think that even in that case, all the devil did was take advantage of that character flaw of Judas, of that love of money, and that he was able to use him that way. That, that doesn't negate the fact that Judas was being motivated by money. 
And so what what I what I think is is this that Judas's love for money blinded him to what he was actually doing. To the fact that he was betraying his teacher, his master, the Messiah. I don't know if he believed that he was the Messiah or not. But after spending all that time with Jesus, seeing all the things that Jesus had done, Judas betrayed him anyway. And, and again, I think this is an important point. He initiated the betrayal. He went to the chief priest. It wasn't the other way around. And I think it was that love for money or love of money that blinded Judas to what he was actually doing. Now, let me ask you a question just to lighten the mood here a little bit. Uh, what's, I don't, I don't know how to phrase this either. What's the, uh, either the hardest or the worst or the most embarrassing job you've ever had? What have you had to do for money? What kind of a job have you had that either you didn't like it, but you had to do it because you needed money? I mean, we've, we've all, we've all had that kind of job or on many occasions we've had those kinds of jobs. I'll, I'll tell you that, and you know, right now I'm, I'm 43 years old and uh, fortunately I'm, I'm in full-time ministry. I absolutely love what I do. I, 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 I wake up to the dream every morning. I love being in full-time ministry and, and pastoring at the church where I'm pastoring. I, I, I love it. But it, as I look back over the past, uh, what is it? 25 years or so that I've been working. I I've had some jobs that man, I've been a valet parker. Uh, at a country club where people were kind of snobbish, treated you like dirt, and we had to go park cars and run down the hill. Sometimes it was muddy. We would slip and fall in the mud. Uh, I've been a carpet cleaner. Uh, I've I've uh, I've been a radiator delivery guy, just driving all around town in a little Chevy S10 pickup truck with no air conditioning in the hot summer sun of El Paso, Texas. Um, I worked for Coca-Cola. I worked at a, a Chevron refinery. I, I mean, I've, I've done I've done all kinds of jobs that I had to do them. I mean, I didn't have a choice. I needed money. I was going through school or I was just a young kid and I wanted some extra cash in my pocket, whatever. We've all, we've all had those kinds of jobs. We, we've all had to do certain things for money. And there's, there's a certain nobility in that. There's nothing wrong with good, hard, honest work that you have to do to make some money to support yourself uh, and or your family. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But let me, let me change the question just a little bit because what I asked you there was, what have you had to do for money? But let me ask you this now. What would you be willing to do for money? That changes things. It's not what have you had to do for money? What kind of job have you had to have to make money to sustain yourself and your family? But what would you be willing to do for money? And we've, we've all probably heard those stories of either a husband or a wife that uh, because there's an insurance policy on the spouse, what they're willing to do for that money is have their spouse killed, or at least attempt to have their spouse killed, right? And, and you look at that and you say, man, I, I, man, I might be hard up for money, but I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be willing to do that for money. I mean, we, we all have our our limits, right? We, we all have our limits, but it's, it's a serious question and one that we all should ponder. What would you be willing to do for money? And I say that in the context of this conversation that we're having about Judas, because the follow-up question to what would you be willing to do for money is this, would you put money before Jesus? 
Uh, th- think b- b- I-, I can almost see you driving down the road on your truck, uh, nodding your head emphatically. No, I would never do that. Who does this guy think he is? I would never put money before Jesus. Let me suggest to you that both you and I have done exactly what Judas did and that we have put money before Jesus. Remember, I, I made the case, and here's the reason that I made the case that Judas was motivated by his love of money, his love for money. And I think that's important to what I'm going to point out here. Because how many times, now this is where you're not going to like the episode, how many times have you put work before money? I'm sorry, work before Jesus. You put money before God, money before Jesus. How many times have you, without having to, okay, you didn't have to, but you picked up another shift and it meant that you couldn't go to church on Wednesday night or on Sunday night or or attend some other church function that would have helped in your spiritual growth. And, and, and you did it because you said, man, it'd be nice to have a little bit more money. I'm going to suggest to you that, okay, maybe not, maybe it's a different level, right? It's, it's a difference of degree, but not a difference of kind. That just like Judas put money before Jesus I'm going to suggest to you that maybe we've done the same thing. Again, not to the degree that Judas did it, but it's the same kind of thing that Judas did. He put money before Jesus. His love of money superseded his love for Jesus. And and I'm not talking about those moments when you've had to work that extra shift because, well, they tell you, you work or you lose your job. Who hasn't been there? We've all been there. I'm not talking about those moments. I'm talking about that time when when uh, you didn't have to stay an extra two hours on Wednesday, but you did, knowing full well that that would mean that you wouldn't be able to take your family or you wouldn't be able to go yourself to the Bible study at church or to discipleship or to a a small group, a a life group, whatever they call it at your church, a home group at your church. You decided to work a little bit more. Maybe you decided to take that little side hustle. You you decided to take that little side job, make just a little bit more money. Well, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to church on Sunday, but man, it's going to, it's going to line my pockets with just a little bit more money. I'm suggesting that when we do that kind of stuff, we look a whole lot more like Judas than we would like to believe or admit. Now, again, don't get me wrong. I I can see you already. I'm establishing this. It's a difference of degree, but not of kind. Because what Judas did, as I've laid out by looking at the text, Judas was motivated by money. And he did what he did against Jesus because he was motivated by money. And there are times that we, as Christian bros in the 21st century, Even though we want to learn how to grow as disciples so we can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God, there are times that we make decisions that put money before our love for Jesus. That there are opportunities that we should and could take for our spiritual growth that will not only help us, but will also help our families. This is where the live, love, and lead part comes in, right? Where we could help our church, where we could help our community, that we can grow like disciples so that we can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. Sometimes we we ignore those opportunities or we let those opportunities pass by for an extra buck. I'm going to take this side job because, man, we could really use this money. Let me tell you what 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 happens is that without sounding too religious, and I and I hope I'm not sounding too religious. And look, if I am, well, you can stop listening. That's fine. But I think that demonstrates a lack of trust in God. Because I I have seen, I have seen that whenever somebody honors God 
and they put God before everything, including in their finances. They put God before everything else in their finances. I have seen, and by God's grace and mercy, I have experienced how God honors the fact that we put him before everything. And I mean everything. Have I been perfected this? Absolutely not. There have been too many times that I can count in my life that I did not honor God with my money. I, I, I'll tell you that right now. And, and I'm sure that the same could be said of you, of all of us. But the flip side of that is that I have seen firsthand what happens. And I'll get into some examples in a little bit. I have seen what happens when people decide and when Christian bros decide to put God before money. What happens? God honors them. God provides now, let's continue on in the story of Judas, because it so happened that Judas finally realized what he had done and that he tried to return the money. Now, let me make a quick parenthetical comment here that I find I find interesting. In the Old Testament, let's say I had an ox and you had a slave, and my ox killed your slave. Well, as reimbursement for my ox killing your slave, I had to pay you the life of your slave. Interestingly enough, according to Old Testament law, the price for your slave was 30 pieces of silver. One could make the case that Judas valued Jesus's life enough as if he were a slave. He paid, or he was paid rather, the price of a slave. I, I throw that in, that in there parenthetically. I don't know that it necessarily does anything for this particular teaching, but I just throw that in there parenthetically. Anyway, Judas realized what he had done, and he tries to return the money to the chief priests. Matthew 27 Beginning in verse 3, this is what it says. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. Now, the answer, the reply of the chief priests, it's classic. <laughs> this is what they say. What's that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. They're like, man, I don't care. We made a deal. Deal's done. You go your way. We go ours. That's like... We don't care anymore. It's not our responsibility. Verse 5, so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and hanged himself. And what I see in, in Matthew 27, 5 is that this is the result of putting money before Jesus. Now, maybe you're not going to go out and hang yourself. I, I hope it doesn't come to that. But here's what I do see, that if you put money before Jesus enough times, you're going to come to a very startling and a very sad realiza realization. And that realization is this, money will never give you the satisfaction that Jesus can give you. It, it can't do it. Money will offer nothing but a bunch of hollow promises. And here's, here's what I've noticed, that the, for, for people like their motivation, like what they need and what they want is money, it's never enough. It's never enough. Look, we'd, we'd all want and could probably use a little bit more money, but there are some people who their entire life revolves around money. And so they, they'd say something like, man, if I just if I can just make an, an extra 10000 just another $10,000, we'll be set. We'll, we'll be good. And so they arrive at that extra $10,000. they are like, man, you know, it feels good, but but that satisfaction, it wears off after a little bit. And so they say, you know what? Another ten. 
No, 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 another 15. I know that if I can make another 15, I'll be set, I'll be good, I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied. So they work their butts off and they do whatever they have to do and they, you know, neglect their spiritual life, they neglect their family, they neglect Jesus, all those things. They reach their goal, they arrive there, whoo, I did it, man, this feels great. And then that wears off. And it's always, you, you always need more because money just can't give you the satisfaction that Jesus can give you. It's just, it's not going to happen. Your, your spirit, your soul is yearning for true satisfaction, and Jesus is the only thing that is going to give that to you. Money won't give it to you. Money is deceptive in that way. And Judas found that out the hard way. He thought, for whatever reason, he, he loved money. And so I guess he thought, man, if, if, I, if I, I just need a little bit more money. And well, you know, if I betray Jesus for it, you know, it's all right. I need the money. And he quickly, quickly and tragically discovered that money just cannot give you the satisfaction that only Jesus can give you. Now, let me let me just pause here for a second and make this, I don't know if it's a disclaimer or a clarification. Money is not evil. Money is not evil. Money is amoral. It's not moral. It's not immoral. It's amoral. There's no morality to money. It's It's what we do with money. It's we who are moral or immoral. It's not money. Money's not bad. Rich people are not bad. Wealth is not bad. Wealth comes from the Lord. In my mind, it's all how you acquire the wealth and what you're willing to do to acquire that wealth. But if money is is like your 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 end all be all, if it's everything for you, you, you to the point that you put it before Jesus, you put it before God, then then money obviously becomes something very bad. But in and of itself, money is not sinful. It's not evil. There's nothing wrong with wanting or needing or striving for more money so long as we do it justly and we don't put it before God. Okay, public service announcement over. Uh, Let me give you a couple of examples of people or organizations perhaps even that put God before money and the results. You're all familiar, I I would imagine, with uh, the restaurant Chick-fil-A. I found a very interesting article. Actually, my wife found it and she sent it to me. An interesting article about Chick-fil-A. And uh, that article said that Chick-fil-A per store, per store, makes more money than Starbucks, Subway, and McDonald's combined. Here's what I mean. If uh, you're in a in a shopping strip and there's a McDonald's, a Starbucks, a Subway, and a Chick-fil-A, okay? That one Chick-fil-A store per year will make more than those other three stores combined per year. Now, as a company, McDonald's makes far more than Chick-fil-A. I think it's like 38 billion versus 9 billion. But the reason for that is that McDonald's has 14,000 stores. Chick-fil-A only has nine, uh, I'm sorry, 2,000 stores. So, you know, cumulatively, of course, McDonald's is going to make more. But if you compare store to store, Chick-fil-A is going to outdo McDonald's. In fact, it outdoes McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined. Uh, this, is, this is from a reputable source. I think it was Forbes magazine, uh, an article that my wife sent me from Forbes Mag- magazine. And you, you, start, you start digging a little bit and you start looking at interviews and uh, essays written by Chick-fil-A and you discover that they close on Sundays and they still outperform these other stores that are open on Sundays, in some cases open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and Chick-fil-A still outperforms them. And the skeptic in you will say, well, that has nothing to do with God, whereas the believer in you would say it has everything to do with the fact that they that they close on Sundays. And in fact, their CEO, their founder, Truett Cathy, said that he's been doing that with every business he's ever had, that he closes on Sunday. And he does it so that his employees 
don't have to worry about working on Sunday. They can go be with their family or they can go worship if they so choose. That, that's his motivation. That he he's he's not going to open on Sunday because he's not going to work on Sunday because that's the day that he goes to church with his family. That's his motivation. And you you look at the results. You look at the results. And again, the skeptic and you might say, oh, come on, they have a better business plan, better business model. But I'm going to say that's God honoring them. That's God honoring the fact that they have decided to put God or at least access to God for their employees before their bottom line. I think that's God honoring them. Uh, there, there's um, this, this several, several years ago, this family isn't even in our church anymore. And I may have mentioned this before on the podcast, but there was this, there was this guy who was working at a, at a store, went to our church, leader in our church, and uh, they offered him a promotion. And it was a great promotion. I mean, better benefits, better benefits, better pay, more responsibility. It was going to do uh, him a lot of good as far as his career and that company was concerned. It, it was great. And they came up to him and they offered him the promotion. They said, it's it's yours. Do you want it? He said, yeah. And so as they're negotiating, they tell him, okay, but there's going to be a change in your schedule. You're going to have to work all day Sunday, every Sunday. And for him, the conversation ended right there. As he was telling me this, I said, well, what did you tell them? He said, well, I didn't, I didn't have to tell them anything. I didn't have to think about anything. I told them, I'm sorry, but I, I don't want the job. Not if it means having to miss church every Sunday with my family. I, I'm not going to miss church just for work. I'm, I'm not going to do that. So thank you, but no thank you. And they, they were a little bit upset with him, but, but he, he stood his ground. He said, no, that's it. So a couple of weeks later, he comes back to me. And uh, as he's approaching me, you know, me, a man of great faith, I'm looking at him and I'm saying, man, I wonder if they fired him because he turned down that job. Great faith, right? Pastor of great faith. And uh, he comes up to me and he says, Pastor, guess what? Um, I took the promotion after all. I said, oh, okay, well, I, congratulations, I guess. And so here I'm thinking, man, he's going to have to give up some of his church responsibilities. And I was a little sad, sad and actually a little bit disappointed. And he says, but hold on, Pastor. They came back to me and they insisted that they wanted me to take the position. And I, I stood my ground. I said, no, I'm not going to take it. Not if it means missing church with my family. And then they told me this. Well, we don't know why we're doing this. This goes completely against our company's policy. We've never done this before. We don't know why we're doing this, but the job is yours. And you do not have to work any Sunday. He took the job. And I, and I see that. And he recognized that, and I recognized that he decided to honor God. He would have been making more money, more benefits. It would have propelled his career in that company. But he said, no, God comes first. And time in God's house with my family, that comes first before any job. And I, I see that, and I say, God honored him because he put God before money. God honored him. My challenge to you through this episode is to just take stock. Sit back. Think about it. Have you been putting money before Jesus? Have you been putting money before spiritual growth opportunities for you and your family? If not, if, if, if you have rather, if you have been putting money before God, then I'm sorry to tell you that you look a whole lot more like Judas than you would like to admit or think. And, and I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm reflecting myself as well. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that there aren't times that I'm, I haven't put money before God. It's, it's, it's a question that I need to reflect on myself. And I'm going to tell you this, that sometimes as Christian bros living in the 21st century, we, we wrap up our identity so much in what we do, in our, in our job, in our career, in what we do. And that's not how God intended it. 
I'll tell you this, and I heard this from a pastor friend of mine. God didn't give you your job and money because he wanted you to have a good job and make more money. And there's nothing wrong with that, again. But God gave you your job and he gave you money. And the reason for that is it's just to finance your kingdom assignment. That's it. Your job and your money, it's they're there so that you so that you can live so that you can fulfill your kingdom assignment. That's what they're there for. When God created you, he didn't say, you know, the city of San Antonio or wherever you live, the city of San Antonio needs another car mechanic. I'm going to make this guy to be a car mechanic. That's not what God said. He didn't say, I need another accountant. I need another plumber. No. He, he designed you with specific spiritual gifts and abilities and he gave you a specific assignment to advance his kingdom. And then he put you in that job to advance the kingdom through that job. He didn't give you the job for the sake of the job. He gave you the job for the sake of the kingdom. And for you to use that job to fulfill your role in your kingdom assignment. Your job is just to finance your kingdom assignment. And again, I'll ask you to take stock, to reflect. And it may not be pretty. You may not like what you discover. But... You need, to, you need to give this some thought. Have you been putting money before Jesus? And here's, here's the danger. Here's the, the danger that if you continue to put money before God, before Jesus, before your kingdom assignment, well, you're going to arrive at the end of your life void, completely empty of satisfaction because money is deceptive. You'll reach the end of your life and you'll say, I wasted my life. Yeah, I accumulated money, but I didn't fulfill my kingdom assignment as I should have. And it's going to be a very sad realization for you. Now, if there's any hope in this, there is. Of course, there always is hope with Jesus. Is this. Judas betrayed Jesus, but Jesus knew that Judas, that Judas was going to betray him. And he chose him anyway. Jesus knows that there are going to be times that you're going to turn your back on him and that you're going to choose money over him. But he's calling you anyway. He has given you a kingdom assignment anyway. And he is calling you to fulfill that assignment anyway. My prayer and my hope is that you would take that step, that you would take this growth step as a disciple of Jesus, and that you would put, like, and I'm putting this challenge on myself as well, that we, we would put our priorities in order and always put Jesus in our kingdom assignment before money. In that way, we will be growing as disciples of Jesus, and we will be able to live, love, and lead in a way that honors God. God bless. I'll see you in the next one.